This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Hello. Yes. Hi, Christy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's funny because uh, just this morning, or well, past few days, I've had this jaw pain, and I've been thinking how I want to read in that book what the jaw has to do with. So you have the book with you? Yes, I do. Messages from the body. Yeah. So I have my copy here too, and for those listening, uh, this is, if you know anything about Louise Hay, she has a book called, uh, what was it, You Can Heal Your Body. You Can Heal Your Life. Oh yeah, Heal Your Life. And in the back it has uh, very few uh, descriptions of emotional uh, boundaries that we've developed that manifest as physical ailments and diseases and this is a massive dictionary of that same type of stuff very massive <laughs> I mean it doesn't even say how many pages because it, it, the numbers start over again so yeah my, my copy is over an inch thick yeah it is I think we had the same uh, yeah yeah because you made this for me you printed it for me so we just decided to get in on this good stuff just before we started talking here. And uh, so I know my jaw, it's just been like, mostly when I chew, I, I thought for a couple days I noticed that I woke up where I was clenching it. Mm. And yet, mm, I didn't really experience that a whole lot after that. I've noticed I've been pretty good at just relaxing it now that I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. And yet it still hurts like when I chew and stuff just on one side. I've had this before and yet I don't know exactly. I, I have an idea of what it is. Maybe I can try and relate emotionally what it, it could be. So okay. did you have anything you wanted to look up and read and talk about? Uh, well, one thing that I wanted to point out just so that listeners who don't quite understand what we're getting at, um, I just wanted to say a couple of things. The first time that I I heard about how emotions can actually affect your your health was probably 20 years ago when a friend told me about a book by Carol Kuhn Truman. It's called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. And it's it's a lot like Louise Hay's, Louise Hay's book who, or where she talks about physical ailments relating to emotions. <clears throat> but um, one of the things that helped me understand what this was all about was Louise Hay mentioned that she conducted an experiment where she would interview people who were sick, who had mm-hmm. a disease of some kind or, or you know, just a basic element like their jaw hurting. 
Um, and what she would do is she would interview each person, but she would tell them, do not tell me what's wrong with you. I'm just going to ask you questions. And so she did. And the one that stood out to me was, she says, I, I interviewed a man who just was having all kinds of problems in life, and, and he was really disgusted with people. And, you know, people were always doing him wrong. That's how he saw his life. And the statement that he kept repeating was, people are such a pain in the ass, pain in the ass, pain in the ass. That, hmm. that was his central theme. And when the interview was over, she said, do you have colon cancer? And he said, yes, I do. And that's his, his train of thought. That's what he said all the time. And he literally created or manifested his colon cancer by viewing people and believing people were a pain in the ass. And so that's what this whole concept is, is you're a powerful creator and your thoughts do become things and very often it can manifest into physical illness. Yeah, that's just amazing. Maybe you can ask me questions. Oh, no. Should I ask you questions? You already know I have the jaw pain, so... Right. Uh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember... I know that the jaw very often has a lot to do with stress because when you're stressed or angry even, you do clench your jaw and, and you do do it in the, in the sleep time, you know. You yeah. clench your jaw a lot and grind your teeth. And then it, it also, I mean, <laughs> that's very generic, so it, it, we can get even more detailed in, right. into the whole fact that it's your jaw because, I mean, anger can manifest all over the place. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Several other stress, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what symbolically could we say that the jaw represents, or even just the mouth? What, hap what does it do a lot? I mean, we can well, say it's the first the, step the, of digestion. Yes, the jaw chews. You also um, use your jaw when you talk, so maybe you feel Talking. like you're not being heard. Yeah, so like uh, having an anger towards not being heard right and then maybe since it is the left side i know the left side is the feminine side or the uh, receiving side mm -hmm. opposed to the right side is the masculine and the giving side um, mm -hmm. so we could say that the that i'm having a little frustration or anger about not being heard or not being Mm, let's say, what's the word? Uh, oh man, what's the? I can't think of the word. That's funny. Uh, somehow, then telling, telling me that they're hearing me, or somehow doing, doing what I'm asking. What? What's the word? Anyway, it doesn't I'm trying matter. To say, it's like I have it on the tip of my brain too, and I can't put it into the word. <laughs> it's funny how I can't think of the word right now in this moment as I'm talking about not being heard. You're not validated. Yeah, that's it. That's the word. That's what I was <laughs> Here in the book it says, just specifically for the left jaw, it says there is a good deal of resentment about unmet needs and a fierce determination to get your needs met, met come what may. The experience was that if they didn't do this, they would literally be allowed to waste away. And the and jaw overall, it says, 
They have a frustrated inability to translate their feelings and intentions into effective action. Their determination has found no place to go, and it has therefore turned into resentment, anger, revulsion, and the desire for revenge. They feel unsafe in a world in which they can't make a difference, and they also feel deeply self-disgusted concerning their lack of capacity to make the difference in the situation. This whole pattern arises from their having been in an associate parent position in a dysfunctional family where no matter what they did to make things work and function in a sane manner, it didn't go anywhere. Hmm. Does that feel like any of that matches? There has been a belief that's been coming a little more palpable in my mind uh, while I've had this job problem or issue or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's kind of the idea that I do have something of value. However, I, I've noticed that people somehow look at me or just some have some idea of me somehow that I ought they automatically assume that I don't right and I have this idea about myself that that, that that's true like it, it, maybe it's how I talk how I walk I don't know but I, I've noticed that even they can turn to, around to someone that has doesn't have the answers and what, what they're looking for and and of course, it would be something they want, and and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, that's perfect, great, wonderful, Devin, right. you were no help." In other words, and I'm like, right. <laughs> so I'm like, well, oh, I have found that people I, okay. get so caught up in their com comfort zone that they don't care if they're going to get the right advice. They want the advice that feels the best to them, so that they can keep on doing what yeah. they're doing and feel justified in it. That's true. But let me ask you this. Do you find that the people who don't take you seriously are involved in a very strong belief system, i.e. religion? Are they too afraid to let go of their beliefs because they think that they're going to be sinning or, or going against what they know to be truth well, by listening I to you? I am sure that's possible, uh, yet I, I, didn't, I have not put that together. Uh, I've been going through this new understanding that have you heard of human design? I've heard the word, but not. We got to look like up your chart. Program or something. Uh, well, there's different aspects. I'm a generator, which is most of the population, as well. And yet, there's there's projectors and manifestors. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at lately, been kind of being taught by this spirit on what all this means by looking at my life and the people I know. And the manifestors a lot people look at the manifestors for the answers they just naturally look at them because it seems like they have the answers regardless right. if they do or not and people will feel a little more comforted and directed by what they say mm -hmm. and yet and and I've noticed this because I've been in this kind of learning about this human design and since I'm a generator I'm more like one of the you know, hardworking guys that just has nothing real to contribute except for hard work. And, mm -hmm. and so people don't look at me as a leader, naturally. It's just like the energy of it. Instead, they look at me as uh, they, you need to be led. Hmm. And, and okay. you know, I'm, I'm just like dividing this up in my mind. None of this is real solid. I'm, I'm trying to understand you know, right. like what resentments do I have? And, well, and I think one thing that would help you in this area, uh, you know, 
if you don't want to be a generator, I don't think that anything is set in stone. So, oh, absolutely. For up to your life, up to now, you could have been a generator type of a soul. Yeah. But we're here to learn and experience and grow, and there is absolutely no reason at all why you couldn't manifest becoming the type of person that you want to be. And and it's the same thing with with any area of your life. You can. They've found now that the the whole thing about genes, you know, predicting your future, you know, like, well, my grandparents and my parents and my great-grandparents all died of cancer. That means I better have my breasts cut off because I don't want to get it. And these women are going out and, and mutilating their bodies, and, and not only women, but a lot of people are having unnecessary things taken off of their bodies yeah. because they have this belief that they're going to get cancer and die. But they have proven, and Bruce Lipton, who is a scientist, has really brought this out in the light, that genes don't manifest your destiny, that you can actually change your genes. And so I think that if you don't like being the generator type, I think that you can become any other kind that you want to be. Just mm, with absolutely. Intent. I completely agree. In fact, I had looked up my chart many years ago, and... I, as many generators, have a closed throat. Uh, in other words, like uh, it's hard to speak and we're kind of quiet and, you know, we don't naturally need or care to speak up. Right. Uh, unlike a projector is a op uh, huge open throat and they're just talking from a distance, yelling everything and everybody listens to them. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with a projector on my travels the last few years and she was teaching me in, in kind of, I looked up to her in a way of how to speak, how to open up my throat, as I called it, and uh, how to allow my expression out. Right. And then I, I feel like I've learned this. I feel like I, I've gained this this uh, understanding and being able to do that. And uh, at the same time, I, I so it, after now that I look at my chart now my throat is open. The same chart that's supposed to be the same from birth, I swear before it was closed, and I look at it now, it's open. Huh. And it's I like I'm in an alternate universe where before it was, and right. I'm, now it's, this is how it is instead. Like I literally transformed into it. Because people say that you can literally change your past. Yeah. And it sounds like you have, I mean, the chart is different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be the same from birth and where the planets were and, and right. everything, how the earth was. And yeah. It's and and I, I think that there's a lot to say about where planets were and everything. I really do. But there's more to say with what you can manifest. Otherwise, there would be really no purpose for us to even be doing this whole earth thing if we couldn't make changes. You know, we, there would be zero growth yeah. then. We would just come here and exist and be the same old boring thing all our life or the same exciting thing all our mm -hmm. life. There would be no humility. There would be no joy. It would just be like, that, you know? Yeah. It gets intense, too, because in my understanding lately of the dimensions and, and frequency focuses and stuff like that, is that even being aware of manifestation, you have to be at a certain frequency to even be... Mm -hmm aware that that is right. impossible and yet the same experience can occur 
while you're not aware of it and you're at a completely lower frequency. Right. And the, the awareness is, is the only thing that really changes. And so the manifestation, uh, while you, you're thinking and aware that you're developing a new situation, it's like you're just really um, more accepting of what is supposed to be happening anyway. Right. Like it depends on I, where we're coming from, really. Right. And, and a huge, well, I won't even say a huge part of it. I'll say the whole part of it is your perception. Because let's just say somebody yeah. said, oh, I, I was taken by my guide to the spirit world, and this is what I saw. And this is what I was taught about this emotion and that emotion or, or any subject. I'm just giving you a, a very, yeah. you know, standard example. So this person could come back and say, hello, humanity, this is what I learned from my guides, and I was shown the spirit world, and this is what it looks like, um, and this is how you can get here. So these people might take the advice of this guru or, or teacher or leader, and they might get taken to the spirit world, and they might see something completely different. Yeah. One person might see a pink elephant, and another person might see a brown dog. And it doesn't mean that one is right and what is, one is wrong. It means that everybody is different and everybody perceives things differently. Um, and so perception and energy are two really huge keys in this, you know. And your perception isn't wrong in anything. It's just the way you see it. Yeah, exactly. And if it helps you, wonderful, because you're here to evolve, so. Yeah. And that perception is like a stepping stone to eventually learning another one. And, right. And another one to right. eventually the complete realization of God the ultimate, eternal. Right. And, and I think, no, I don't think I know that people, there's two types of people. There's a person who listens to a teacher and makes the teacher the guru. The teacher or the prophet or the church leader, or the movie star even, it, that person becomes the, the be-all to them, and they literally do their thinking for the person. Whatever the person says goes. That's the right thing to do. That's the truth. But what they're not understanding is that's just that person's perception. It's right to them, but it doesn't need to be right to you. Yeah. And then there's a second kind of person who listens to the guru or teacher or the prophet or whoever and, and says, that's, that's an interesting possibility. But yeah. then they do their own thinking. And that's kind of where I came from and went to. I let church leaders do my thinking for me, and then I stepped into, I'm going to do my own thinking. I actually did my own thinking all the time, but I... <laughs> I spent all my time on my knees. I'm so sorry, God, for doing my own thinking, you know. Yeah. I, I'm filthy sinner for doing that, you know. <laughs> and I just think that people have to realize they have to do their own thinking and agree with their own perceptions and agree with their own thoughts and feelings because they're uniquely yours. They're your perception of everything, and it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just yours. Yeah, and yeah, not being right or wrong is completely... Like realizing that it is a step that you need, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't be on it or taking it if you didn't need it. 
you know, the right. length of it is is up to you and how how long you're going to be using that crutch instead mm-hmm. of your own internal guidance and and you right. know, we all have a specific path. I I love how everybody is trying to be like Jesus and you know, I have no problem with that, but I think of that as a stepping stone because mm-hmm. eventually you That's need cool. to be you. <laughs> you know? Right. Eventually, you know, if everybody was being like Jesus, which isn't a problem, then, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have anybody really doing a whole lot of work around here. And right. Would, you know, we won't have the prophecy of the Antichrist coming or anything because he's too right. busy being like Jesus. And, exactly. You know, it, it's it's like kind of an endless battle. So There's you, a saying that I love. It says, if you don't go within, you go without. Yeah. I think that's from uh, ooh, Conversations with God. Is that where I read it? I think Whoever said it, I love it because Neil Donald that's Walsh. kind of been my journey is like trying to trust the inside of me instead of going without. Because I was trained to go without I swear I got it before I heard it uh, heard that it was from him too so I, I felt like I was saying it years ago hmm. I, I even made a t-shirt and then I found out it was from him and like hmm. I, you know you never really know if you if you really made up something yourself or or if you all received it at the same time or well know, that's what I was just going to say when you mentioned that, that it doesn't really matter who got it. It just matters that it got got. <laughs> and, yeah. and it, it doesn't matter utilized. who got it first. You, you two could have received it at the same time because supposedly we're all connected. We're all part of each other. So, yeah. you know, it was given to the grand consciousness, so to speak. And who copyrighted you just picked it first? Up on it. <laughs> who, who copyrighted it first? That's what. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting to the heart area in this book and, and, I, I, I don't know if you care to uh, get into that. There's several different things. There's heart area problems. Yeah, see, this is my arrhythmia. my area of, of uh, problems. The thing that bothers me the very most about my health issues is my heart problems. Do you ever punch yourself in the chest? Do I ever punch? <laughs> I have, but... I like get this feeling that I'm like, is that a... Is my heart skipping? And I just like punch myself several times and... Then I'm feeling great after that. <laughs> it's like I'm doing half CPR on myself. Yeah, I Get have. My when my heart has gone into a really bad arrhythmia, yes, I have actually clenched a fist and pounded on my chest. Like, come on. Because, you know, you see that yeah. happen on the movies where yeah. they, bam, you know, they hit somebody in the chest. So should I look up arrhythmia? Heart? I'm, I'm there. It's on page 177. Oh, okay. Well, uh, heart, heart arrhythmia says C, arrhythmia. So it's on a different page. Oh, yeah. So we have to go back to Unless, A. <laughs> why don't you, while you're on that page, why don't you go ahead and read heart area problems? And I'll okay. go back to A. Let's see. They are sealed unit, urban hermit, who is into heart shielding self-protection. They are engaged in love avoidance and hurt deflecting involvement and deflecting. They have intense insecurity with no confidence in the universe or the divine. There's no sense of deservingness of love or lovability, and their experience is that love is a poison apple. They are unable to receive love, warmth, and nurturance. They may be able to emanate divine radiance and unlimited giving in an all-heart manner that is life-providing, life-sharing, and love-expressing, despite their inability to receive love. 
They may also be emotional, commotional, or conversely, they may be completely emotionally shut down. They may be able to exhibit compassionate comprehension and insightful understanding. In any case, they found that professed and preferred love was a dangerous and destructive force in their childhood. As a result, they can neither expect nor receive unconditional love, though they may be able to emanate it. And boy, oh boy, did that hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Because I grew up feeling extremely unloved. Mm-hmm. Extremely. Yeah, I mean, your heart was then growing on that idea, you know. Right. The, every cell is is like a manifestation of the individual thoughts of, you know, right. where, where you're believing is true about yourself. The body then would represent what you believe about yourself, as the whole body is. Exactly. I like to explain this, like, uh, how palm reading works and those face reading and, and whole, you know, body structure and stuff. You can read people's personality within the lines of a hand and even a foot hmm. and, and the structure of their face and things like that. And hmm. it, it does seem like you're actually reading the personality and if you know how to translate through the lines. Uh, wow. Yet it, it's because the body and every cell and every everything about your body is is made from the personality that's right now in the understanding of the dimensions the personality is is the fourth dimension that believes it is a body that is mm-hmm. of the third but the consciousness of the christ is is the first dimension into the emotional energetic world of the spirit in the second and then that is like a blueprint of what is believed in the christ mind to be real to blueprint itself, the energy, into the physical world where it has opposition. Hmm. So, so I can go ahead and read arrhythmia. Okay. Arrhythmia. Did I say that right? It says, false alarm. They are a self-made person who believes that they are all they've got. They have felt cut off from the environment and the universe all their life, and that they are therefore... They, that they therefore have to handle everything on their own book. Handle everything on their own book? Yeah. Oh, on, on, oh no, hook. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. That didn't make sense to me either. Like, maybe <laughs> I got kind of, I'm in weird lighting. Uh, this act, actively... This active... Okay, I guess I'm done reading that. (laughs) (laughs) What page is it on? Oh, it's uh, 30. I'm like looking at this and I guess... I wonder if dyslexia is in here. I'm in really good light, so let me check it. Okay, I'm on page 30. So maybe I can tell people uh, if, if they want a... to know anything out of this book, want to look up anything from... And quite literally, the joints in your fingers, all your fingers separately, uh, to to diseases and everything, you can contact us by going to openandclear.com. And uh, we can have you as a guest on our show or something, and or we can have a private session or however you want to do it. Cool. Right. Okay. You got that? Yes, I do. So do you want me to read the second part? Sure. Okay, this 
activates moments where things are getting out of control and beyond their coping capabilities. These bring on anxiety attacks and the resulting palpitations. It is the resultant of never having received love and merging as a child. Now, let me explain something to a place where I've come to regarding childhood. Um, you know, my, my mom had me when she was 16. She turned mm. 17 a, a month after she had me. So mm. she was really young. She was married, though. She came from two extremely alcoholic parents, and she really wasn't given any kind of a blueprint on how to live normally. She just was in constant chaos and drunkenness. Um, and my dad was kind of a mama's boy, and he didn't know how to function as an adult, and they got divorced, and my mom married my stepdad. Well, my stepdad also came from a background of abuse. Um, his dad was <clears throat> extremely physically abusive, mostly to his brothers and sisters, <clears throat> and not to him so much. So neither of the people that raised me knew how to express love or nurturing in the right way, in a way that would help build a child up rather than bring them down. And I used to resent this, you know. Uh, I was telling my husband the other day that I don't recall a single time when I was growing up where I heard either one of my mom or stepdad, or even my dad actually, say, I love you, not one time. If they did, I don't remember it, but not one time. And I got, I kind of got dished the same plate that my parents got growing up, except for my mom obviously was not an alcoholic. My dad, my real dad was, but the point I'm trying to make is I, I felt this resentment for a long, long time, you know, and I... I didn't know why I was so insecure. I didn't know why I felt worthless because so many people did and do <clears throat> tell me that I'm worthy and wonderful and fantastic and such a great person. And inside I'm going, no, I'm not. I'm just such a scumbag, worthless, you know. But as the years have gone on and, you know, I'm a mother now and, and I look at my own mistakes and everything, I'm able to look at my parents in a whole new light. And while I do not use a lot of the things that they did or said, I, I have so much empathy for them because they were little children too and they got a plate of slop sometimes that they had to eat off of emotionally and they really did do the best they could. They, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if your parent says something like, stop your crying or I'll give you something to cry about, or do you want a knuckle sandwich? You know, these are things that I heard. Um, that's what they heard. That's, that's what they thought was right. That's yeah. how they thought that you discipline a kid that you think is doing something wrong, you know? And I, I look at families like a chain, and each link in the chain is a person. And normally you want a chain that's really strong. You want each link to become to be very strong because if there's a weak link, the chain is going to break. But in a case like this, you want there to be a weak link. And I feel like I have become the weak link in my family chain because mm -hmm. I came out just the opposite as an adult. I, I'm almost too affectionate with my kids, you know. I mean, 
I tell them many times a day how much I love them, and I hug and kiss them, and and sometimes I can just be overbearing with it, you know, um, like, get away from me, Mom, you know, but <laughs> I've just been the opposite, just very, very physically affectionate and, and using my words, you know, being very affectionate. And I feel like I've broken that chain and showed them in any way that I can that I love them, you know. And I know that my mom loves me, and I know that my stepdad loves me, and that my real dad loves me. It's just they did the best they could, but I, I broke the chain because I did not want them to feel like I felt. And so I think that people need yeah. to really work on breaking chains. And if something isn't working, then take a close look at it and fix it. Yeah. Hmm. I had so many thoughts as you were talking. and I <laughs> Sorry. I think I broke that chain. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it, it it is good that, uh, and, and it's funny how that fits in perfectly with the heart area problems you were saying when you read that about uh, that you can you can uh, channel divine love. Yeah, there was some issue about. Oh, wow. So. Well, think of the term broken heart. You know. When you, when you feel like you're not worth something, it breaks your heart. When somebody rejects you, it breaks your heart. Yeah. And just like I, I said in the beginning of this show, how Louise heard one of her experiment people say, people are a pain in the ass, you know, your brain picks up on, oh, that breaks my heart, that breaks my heart. You don't even have to hear the words. It's the emotion that manifests every single yeah. time. The words are just, a part of it. You know, and when I was mentioning about the frequencies and perspective and focus and stuff, like, I know I have, I have a focus, I have, I have a Devon, I, I like to call it. I, I very much have a Devon, and, and everybody has, you know, their personality, their little, little self that very much believes everything that it's, in this life and all the problems and issues that it can go through are are very real and oh, yeah. you know at the same time while there are degrees in understanding there is that higher self there is that space um beyond the idea of what you know as yourself your physical identity and mm -hmm. what anything you've grown up with this history that we have that there is that that space beyond, there is that being beyond that has complete understanding of the reason and the purpose uh, for each step we take and each each thing that happens to us. And even if that purpose may be so that we learn problems, we learn issues, and then eventually we learn to get out of them and we learn a whole new strength. And, and there, there's a multitude of purposes that could come from this. Right. Like if we can tap into and train ourselves to realize that we are not only what we know as this personality that's been built up in our past, then we can you, we can look at these emotions that manifest in the physical body as as stepping stones to realization that we are manifesting our reality, and that right. quite literally everything we naturally assume or think. Is, is a belief that just reiterates mm -hmm. itself into manifesting more 
um, right. more like itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly true. Yeah. Life does not happen to us. If, if we really look at it literally, life does not happen to us. We happen to life. And the way we happen to life is by our beliefs and our thoughts and our emotions. Emotions are huge. They're key. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 Carl and I did an experiment a couple of months ago after we read a book by uh, Rhonda Byrne, who did The Secret. Yeah. Um, this experiment Good last name. was with gratitude. And, you know, she states, and I believe this, that when you not only express gratitude, but you really feel it, that was the key. You have to feel it. You bring in more things to have gratitude for. And so we did all these experiments where, you know, we, like we would write down, for instance, 10 things a day that we were grateful for. And it was easy at first because, you know, there's a lot that's obvious that you can be grateful for. But as the days went on, you were like, gosh, I wrote down everything. And you really had to dig deep, but you started to see underneath the layers just how many things there are to be grateful for. Even if it was one day, I'm glad I didn't get hit by a car. I'm glad I didn't stub my toe on the end of the table. I mean, sometimes we would reach for that, but it's still something to be grateful for. And those emotions that we had to purposely focus on brought more things to be thankful for. I mean, when I would wake up in the morning, I would just bound out of bed, which isn't normal for me. So happy to greet the day. Just from feeling gratitude. That was the only thing that we did differently. And from that perspective, it's something that I've come to realize that that place that knows, I say place, but that being, that essence that knows every purpose and every step we take and, and all the reasons and, and the seasons for everything. Mm-hmm. Also for that is, is desiring this experience for us as in a small self. This high self is desiring this experience for a very, very good purpose. Whatever it may be to some end of some sort, as we are in linear time in this perspective, mm-hmm. that if we were grateful, not just for the good things, but also grateful and realize that we have this need to be grateful also for these negative things, that then we would come into the understanding or, or stretch our minds into the perspective that those negative things that we do think are occurring and they seem so vivid to us have a, a divine purpose, have a, a, let's say, we're misunderstanding what they actually are. Right. I had this experience, and maybe we can just end this on, on this, but uh, in meditation practice, I, I've spent many years, I guess I could say, meditating with um, Vipassana and the awareness of Vipassana, Vipassana, uh, it's, uh, it's Buddha. <laughs> okay, let, let me just, it's, it means observe it as it is, observe life as it is. So okay. you're, you're literally just looking and watching your body in the practice of moving up and down in focus and eventually looking at your body everywhere. Okay. You become aware of pain easily, naturally, and it's just uh, like you're sitting there for an hour and you're definitely getting pain. And, uh, 
and uh, having these issues, you want to move and and all this stuff, and just uh, just stay and observe it and watch it. And as I've uh, observed the pain, where I know, I know for no doubt, there is it is pain. It is actually uh-huh. absolutely pain there. Right. But there is multitude of opportunities there. When I actually watch the pain, and you're supposed to pass it as well and keep coming back to it, just thinking of it as any other sensation throughout the body, it's no different. Okay. And a few times, I entered into the space that I would call pain, and it opens up to the same sensation that I thought was pain. The misunderstanding that I thought it was a problem, a pain, a suffering. I, my mind, like the understanding of it, the perceiver of it, opens up. And I, now the same sensation that I and probably everybody else in the world would say is very painful mm-hmm. is, is an expression of love, is a tremendous expression of beautiful love as everything else is. This, and I'm just defining it with the word love, but it's just, it became this glowing, beautiful experience of like, as if I had joy in that spot. And, and, right. and realizing that everything is that experience and every place is that sensation yet my conscious mind has these resentments and that's almost exactly what we're talking about with this book these resentments to now in my body I have places where I hold resentments pretty much a fence where there is now this spot that hurts because I have this belief about myself instead of this spot being the love that it is or the energy that it is, the soul experience that is a representation of love. So we have this constant flowing energy of love that we are, yet life in the whole aspect of growing and, and bringing ourselves to be a body, we quite literally are a built on resentments. We are built on dislikes and inapprovals and this physical body is quite literally a representation of being the opposite or the lack of the idea of what love is. Right. Yeah. And you can't... I can hear my voice in your phone again. You know, that, I wonder why that happens in, later in the program. Did it happen at the beginning? Uh-uh. Hmm. Okay, now I can't hear myself again. That's wonderful. Because <laughs> when I can hear myself talking, I can't even think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what um, you mean. Oh, uh, what was my thought? Um, when you when you experience pain, it, it, it is one really good way to manifest what you want. And I'm, well, what I'm trying to say is, you can't know what you want unless you feel what you don't want. That's true. And without a body, we couldn't feel or experience anything with a sense. You know. Yeah. We get, like one author I read recently says, you couldn't taste chocolate without your body. Um, but I, I really like what you said about pain. I never looked at it in that way before. It's, you know, it's definitely an experience. And, and if we felt good all the time, we really wouldn't try to change anything. So there would be no growth whatsoever. Because if you feel great where you're at, you, you want to stay there. 
you don't want to change anything, so you don't try to grow at all. You just bask. Yeah. You bask in it. But pain is a really good motivator to make changes. That's if true. we're looking at it in the human sense, not so much in the spiritual like you just talked about. Yeah, definitely, because in the human, I mean, outside of the human sense, I mean, we're the divine creator of all that is. And to be a victim of any sort is not conducive to actually being the creator. Right. Yeah. You know, that just reminded me of another saying that I love so much. This saying has helped me. I'm not there yet all the way, but it has helped me to look at people in a different light that I really have been hurt by and to the point where I feel hatred. Um, it, it, the statement goes, I forgive you forgetting, for forgetting who you really are. Because uh, they yeah, really have forgotten. That. I think you mentioned that last time. if they knew who they really were, they wouldn't act this way. Yeah. And I forgive myself for forgetting who I am. That's exactly right. And that's the most important one. That's the absolute most important one. And yet, you know, this whole body talk, you sound very Mormon to me, actually. Does it? Yeah. Because, I mean, we came here to experience opposition, according to the Mormons. And it is true, even in the understanding of the Ten Dimensions, that... This is the space of complete opposition, the densest space that we will experience. It's pretty right. intense. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I hope it gets better after this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's up to us, really, because in the right. next area is, is the idea of the manifestation, uh, like almost strictly of heaven or of, of hell, and that's totally up to us and our perception. It's another training period. Right. Uh, the, and it's a little more on top of it opposed to a a, a practice a, a, man I, I got words down today don't I uh, <laughs> yeah opposed to this buffer period of manifestation that we have here right yeah I think that for many and, my, and I'm in this group I have so often considered this planet and this existence as a human literally hell like Oh my yeah. gosh, I don't need to worry about being a bad person and dying and going to hell. I'm there. This this world is so hellish in so many ways, you know. But then you got to worry about being a good person and getting out of it, right? Right, so right. So it's the same I understanding mean, and then to me. That just pops you right back into the So no matter what. Mentality. Yeah, no matter what, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you I don't still like misunderstand. Yeah, like why am I <laughs> suffering like this and why is the world so messed up and why do people have wars and kill each other? Why do we have to kill animals and plants to eat? No matter what we eat, we have to kill something. We kill we kill things in the air when we breathe them into our body. We kill to live <laughs> no matter what we do. And so I look at it as a hellish experience in that perspective, yeah. you know. I notice when, when I am in my highest space, my, as I would call it, uh, I, I just see everything almost as if it's cartoony and it's just adorable no matter what. Like, it's just really? the cutest thing. It's like, oh, look at that pig with its head cut off. It's so cute. <laughs> and, you know, everything is just, no matter what, it's like, wow, I love this. This is so, just a beautiful rendition. Thank you for like a reflection of my mind. I can see that this is, this is me, and opposed to the, the same thing, seeing the same thing, and thinking it's not me, thinking that it is a 
you know, happening to me and, and all this stuff as the, the progression of the frequencies. Right. Do, do you know I do that? So I have this other show that called Miracles and Magic. And uh-huh. I go through the frequencies of what we know as colors uh, progressing up into, in this perspective of reality. Each frequency, red, orange, yellow, today's orange, or yellow day. And they mm-hmm. all have different perspectives of what the universe is and abilities and talents as well. Hmm. And it's, I guess it's not the best talking day for me. It's <laughs> more of a blue day. Anyway. Well, you sound good to me. Don't worry. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, I got to take off. I got another show I got to get started on. Okay. I, I'm starting well, a, great. one with a, a friend from high school. And hmm. we're going to call it False Prophet. <laughs> oh, because he is an active member of the church, and uh, we're going to be debating religion. So, oh my gosh, I have to listen. <laughs> yeah, so it hasn't started yet, but uh, it will be available at openandclear.com. So, okay, okay, have a good one, Thanks, Christy. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Okay, bye bye.